Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Chuck Lawless. And I'm Caleb Iverson. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Caleb, I'm incredibly excited for this podcast and our next one because our listeners get to hear from one of my one of my heroes, Tom Elliff. Tom has served as a pastor, as a denominational leader, as the president of our Southern Baptist Convention International Mission Board, and he is still serving faithfully as one of the teaching pastors at his church in Oklahoma. Tom, it is great to have you with us today. Chuck, it is great to be on this program. We've been talking about it for a long time, and I, I want to just take a moment to tell you that I love the title of uh, this program, Pastor Matters, but I would probably change it a little bit because of a concern I have deep in my heart, and that is that pastors matter. Okay, and the fact that you're taking time to to pour into our lives, and I could call you Doctor Lawless. We could use all our appropriate titles here, but just because you've allowed yourself to be a friend to so many of us who are pastors, uh, and you have poured your life into us, that that means a lot to me. I know I highly value the time. Uh, the times, the many times when we've had the opportunity to visit and you've invested in my own life. Well, thank you, Tom. You you know my heart, that I'm a pastor at heart, and uh, I love uh, encouraging and equipping pastors, and we pray this podcast will be just another resource to do that. Tom, tell us about your ministry journey. Tell us where you've served over the years. You know, Chuck, I uh, started ministry uh, during my first year of college in Arkansas at Washtenaw Baptist University, pastored a um, couple of churches while I was in, in college, went to Southwestern Seminary, pastored a couple of churches in Texas while I was, um, while I was in seminary. And uh, I love that, by the way, because there's something about being able to pastor and go to school. Uh, you're always putting what you learned to use and you're discovering whether it's worth anything or, conversely, it's not worth <laughs> That's anything. Right. And and both of those happen frequently. But um, I had I'm just thrilled that I was able to do that. And then um, uh, following graduation from um, Southwestern, I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, as a pastor of Eastwood Baptist Church. Was there for almost ten years before going to the mission field. And our family. Four children, my wife, uh, were in Zimbabwe, Africa. We were there for a year and a half until my wife and kids were in an automobile accident, actually was sabotaged, and our oldest daughter was burned uh, very, very badly to the extent that we needed to come back to the to the States. That was, that was very definitely pressed upon us. So we did, and I pastored Applewood Baptist Church in Denver, came from there to First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City, where I pastored for 20 years before going back with the uh, International Mission Board. Sort and of like I can't keep a job. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you're doing even now. You teach on Wednesday nights, right? Right. I'm, we're, I'm at our church, First Southern Baptist Church, and um, 
for the 20 years I was here, we had a ministry, uh, media ministry, radio, especially uh, titled Living in the Word. And so the pastor of the church and the staff came to me and asked if I would uh, be willing to uh, resurrect Living in the Word and use mm-hmm. Wednesday night as a platform for that. And, and, and this is, uh, could I say, delicious because it... Uh, it brings structure to life to have to uh, prepare for uh, for messages week mm-hmm. after week. Make sure you don't just use stuff you've preached before, you know. And so I love doing that. And then we're involved also uh, in the Center for Missions at Oklahoma Baptist University, which uh, is exciting to me. And we get to walk on that campus with those college students. That's a blessing. That's great. A real blessing. So are they recording the Wednesday night sessions? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. And, and uh, if um, if folks in the audience, you know, want to go to First Southern, they can do that. First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City, Oklahoma. And um, uh, I think it's firstsouthern.tv is the, is the website. And uh, they can download the messages from Living in, in the Word from that website. Okay, well, I, well, I will do that. We'll okay. have a brand new look as of next year, but right now that's the old look. All right. Occasionally I, I pull up one of your sermons as I'm running on the treadmill, so this will give me a uh, new supply. I am glad to know that my sermons make at least one man perspire. All right, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I know how much you love your family. Tell our listeners about your, about your family. Well, uh Diana and I, this is her second marriage and my second marriage. I was married for 49 years to Jeannie. We had uh, four children and 25 grandchildren. Then Jeannie passed away of cancer. That's the reason that I stepped down from uh, IMB. And uh, then uh, Diana's husband, uh, some of your listeners will know, Wayne Barber, who uh, was in Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee, and um, pastored Woodland Park, Woodland Heights, rather, there. And uh, uh, their son, in fact, is a graduate of uh, Southeastern and a pastor in Alabama. And she has a daughter who's married to a pastor in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. My son is a pastor and uh, a Navy chaplain and a student, former student of yours. And um, then we have three daughters. Um, well, four daughters, Diana's daughter, Stephanie, and then we have my daughter, Beth, and she and Tony have kids who are deeply involved and work overseas. And then uh, uh, we have two other, two other daughters who are actually overseas. One is in um, uh, the Middle East, and the other is the uh, uh, affinity group leader for the APAC region. They live in the Manila, Philippines. We have Collectively, 33 grandkids, 18 great-grandkids, and four in the hangar. So uh, wow. we're, we're a happy family that prays a lot, I'll tell you. That's good. That's good. Well, Tom, as a, as a young guy that's aspiring towards pastoral ministry, I'm just curious, what is, um, what is the thing about pastoral ministry that most excites you? Oh, Caleb, you know, um, I wish I could limit it to one, to one thing. You know, of course— uh, the privilege of week after week sharing truth from the Word of God that changes people's lives cannot be anything less than exciting. It is both a burden and a challenge. 
and uh, I love doing it, and I ought to love doing it if you're a pastor. That's, you know, I'm, I will soon turn 80, and if you're a pastor, you want to love doing that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I would say that coupled with, with prayer, um, the privilege of praying for people who are in your church and uh, in any organization <clears throat> with which you're associated, that's a that's a priceless opportunity, and uh, I love that. I really, I really do love that. Tom, when I worked with you at the at the IMB, I remember you you asked us to share prayer concerns with you, actually writing on a slip of paper, getting it back to your office, and you prayed for all of us by name throughout uh, a month, I believe. Uh, take a minute and just tell us how you did that. You know, uh, this is a good place to insert that, Chuck, because. Uh, I started this practice early, early in ministry, actually while I was pastoring a church in seminary. Hmm. I don't know where I read about it, but I'm sure this was not original with me. But I started sending out five, uh, at that time it was just five, it, it, it grew, but I would send out five letters a day uh, working through our church membership role, starting with A, and I just... I just sent in the uh, church uh, secretary would do the same letter. And then there was a little blank at the bottom that said, on the date but listed below, I'll be on my knees praying for you. So if you would, please turn this letter over and mail it back to me if you have any prayer requests. Well, to my surprise, you know, I was in my early 20s. All of a sudden, letters began, began pouring in, <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that would be 25 a week. Uh, people that I would write, not all of them would write me back. Some would wait years, and then they would suddenly write and say, you've asked me this for years, and I've never had anything to say, but now I've got something really on my heart. And so when I would come to the office every morning, one of the first things I would do would be to take those letters in hand. And it ultimately came here at First Southern, 10 letters that I would send out a day. I would take those letters in hand, and I would uh, open them, uh, read their responses, and on my knees, generally, I can't say always, but generally on my knees, I would, I would pray specifically as they ask. And that, I, I don't know of anything hmm. that would give a pastor closer connection with the members of his church than to say, hey, I prayed, you know, for your daughter or for your son uh, this past week. How's, how's everything going? Hmm. People ultimately bear their hearts when they respond to letters like this. And so that was a practice started at a suggestion by someone I can't remember when I was in my early 20s at one of my first churches and continued all the way through the International Mission Board. In fact, as you recall, Chuck, we we made a uh, we knocked out a wall, made a, a prayer chapel there in the office. And uh, people started showing up early in the morning because they wanted to pray with me on the day that I was praying for them. We had a mm. just a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And what better way to meet your congregation than to hear their heart and to pray for them? I can tell you, Tom, that your your example as a as a man of prayer has been has been huge for me. Uh, both a challenge and an and an inspiration. A challenge in the sense that uh, I w- I want to pray better, and you model that for me. 
and an inspiration because I know that Pam and I are on your on your prayer list. And there have been many days when I just have to remind myself, uh, Tom and Diana prayed for us today. Is it all mm-hmm. going to be good? So thank you for that. Well, thanks, by the way, Chuck, for giving us a lot to pray about. Because uh, <laughs> most people, you know, <laughs> ju- just kidding, of course. No, I get it. <laughs> The college at Southeastern believes that God is at work in this generation, calling out Christians to leverage their lives for the Great Commission. That's why we train students biblically, theologically, and vocationally in community to give their lives for the cause of Christ. In spring 2024, Southeastern will be hosting its annual GO Conference designed to train, challenge, and mobilize college students for the Great Commission. Invite your college group to join us on campus on February 9th and 10th Save the date and sign up for next year's conference at thegoconference.com. Well, let's let's shift to something uh, that you would do differently if you were doing ministry all over again. If you were starting your pastorate all over again, what would you change? Well, first of all, on that subject, I'd pray more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if I was just starting out, I would start out praying. The very thing that I've mentioned is one way you could do that. But, but I would, I would pray more. You know, it's it's sad to me that um, among, and I, let me just speak of Southern Baptists here. And I realize there might be others than Southern Baptists who are listening. But, but among Southern Baptists, here we are, the largest evangelical. Uh, convention or denomination, however you want to put it, in in the country, with the largest mission force uh, out there, supported as we support our missionaries, fully supported. Um, it is amazing to me that there are so few what I would call lights, people who over the years have become noted for their testimony in regard to prayer. Mm. Uh, I'm amazed at how, how few, how little literature is uh, um, available on that, how few uh, books, how few conferences. And even when we, when we, for instance, this season of the year, we call it Lottie Moon, you know, this is the week of prayer and we do, we do pray, but um, I would think that out of this hotbed of um, evangelism and missions and education or seminaries, there would arise some people who stood, um, you know, like shining lights, um, speaking to the issue, to the issue of prayer. And I don't know whether it's because prayer is hard work, because prayer is hard work, or because people think, well, yeah, I'll pray too. You know, the big thing is to make sure I figure out how to say this in a way that will capture people's hearts. The reality is, the, and the, <clears throat> the proof is out there, if you pray, God is the one who communicates the truth to people's hearts. You don't have to worry about becoming a wordsmith. Uh, God takes care of sharing his heart on behalf of the, the man who prays. So I would, I'd pray more. 
And I would not neglect at all in that prayer, the study of God's word. Stephen Olford used to say, keep your mornings for God. I like that. Mm -hmm. And I tried, I tried, uh, for the most part of my ministry to, to practice that, you know, and I'm sure somebody else besides Stephen said that, but, uh, um, you know, he would always say that at our pastor's conferences. It's always amazing to me that prayer warriors that I know always say they know they should pray more. Uh, it, it's as if the closer you get to God and the more you enjoy praying, the more you recognize you need to give even more time to it. So I appreciate that sure. honesty, Tom. Well, let me go in a, in a different direction. Uh, that that could be could be hard, but I want you to help us. Too too many pastors just don't finish well. Uh, we can all tell the stories. You've just told us you're you're almost eighty and you are pressing on with with all of your being. What what advice would you give to the rest of us to finish well? How how can we do that? I I would say, and I say this. From a very sad um, uh, personal experience mm. uh, through which my father, who is also a minister, uh, passed. And uh, in fact, I wrote about it in a, in a book that, that at this season is called The Red Feather. It's a Christmas story, but, but it's more than a Christmas story. It has to do with forgiveness. But um, my father in his mid sixties, uh, and you know, he, our family, my, my two brothers are, are pastors and my brother-in-law was a pastor and evangelist. And we have these children and so forth. All of us do who are ministry related. Um, but in his mid sixties, my, my father, my father, mm-hmm. my godly father, who was the example to me, he, uh, he failed terribly uh morally and uh the other end of that story is that that he was a ready repenter and lived as a repenter the rest of his life and i i um i could go on about that but i will not but i want to tell this uh to the audience uh, i asked him uh, one time i said dad how could this have happened how could this have happened to you that, and, and he said, there are two things. Uh, he said, number one, I took a position within our denomination that uh, uh, could be not only maintained, but encouraged by just traveling around from one place to the next and preaching the same sermons over and over and over again. Hmm. And he said, so I, uh, I quit studying, which is one reason I'm glad that I preach every week mm, here that's good. at First Southern. And I, and, I, and I made a promise to the Lord that I would not preach any messages that I had preached before, that they would all be mm. new messages. And uh, uh, so that's driven me to have structure in my life. But the other thing he said was, and I quit, I quit having my, my quiet time which meant that I laid down my Bible and my time of prayer. And he said, in that, in that kind of a sea, no study, no Bible, no prayer, 
He said, I think the best of us fail. Mm. And he said, I certainly did. And I know of others who have done the same. Uh, he was such a repenter that he, he said that actually to the entire Southern Baptist Convention. Mm. Uh, at a pastor's conference, he stood up. And, and in our pastor's conference, he, he wasn't asking to be a pastor again. He knew he could not do that. But he said, I want to, t- I want to warn you men. And he, he took what I thought was very great and bold step to, to warn people against having a life without Bible study, prayer, devotional life. So I think that's, that's critically important. Yeah, I tell you what's most gripping to me, Tom, is I will be 63 in just a week or so. And you've just told us that your, your dad was 60 when, when, he, 65. Okay, okay. It's just a reminder that we don't outgrow the possibility, do we? Moral failure comes in all kinds of dresses and all kinds of suits. Mm. So it doesn't, doesn't, have to, doesn't have to be sexual. It, it most often is these days, it seems. But it can come cloaked, is what I'm trying to say, in many different disguises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surely good for our, our young guys sitting with me right now to hear and our listeners as well. Tom, you mentioned the red feather. Uh, just tell us, uh, tell our listeners how they might get a copy of that. It's, it's well worth reading. And for those who uh, have to learn about forgiveness, I, I challenge them to, to pick up a copy. Yeah, if it's not at your bookstore, they can contact Christian Literature Crusade, which is quite a well-known publisher. And they can they can order the book through Christian Literature Crusade, and um, it's a book on how to forgive. And um, uh, if I say so, it's quite a gripping mm. a gripping story. Every bit of it, every bit of it, true. And our family, when all was said and done, our our family. Uh, rallied and became knit together again. I mean, we really struggled when my father uh, made these these moral decisions that were so contrary to, to God's plan for us. How do, what do we do? How do we wrap our lives around that? But out of that came this message on, on forgiving, how to forgive. What does it mean to forgive? What does it not mean to forgive? And uh, so that was God because of a man's willing repentance. That was God taking something really terrible and and using it as an anvil upon which to shape an entire family's hmm. understanding of what it means to forgive. Hmm. That's great. That's great. You mentioned one book. You've written several others. What book that you have written would you most recommend to our listeners to pastors in particular? Well, I, uh, I want to be careful here because, you know, when you write books, it, it, it puts thoughts in your minds about who you are. I heard a guy that, uh, about a guy that stood up at the, a convention one time after having written a book, and uh, he was just simply to pray, and his opening words were, Oh God, thou who also hast written a book, Anyway, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I, 
I, please, I'll, I please have to tell be me you're careful kidding. about it. <laughs> yeah. You really I heard that? I have to be careful. What's that? You really heard that? Some... No, no, I heard about. <laughs> oh, you heard about. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I heard about, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so I would say that um, uh, a book into which I poured a great deal well, uh, of my own personality and life was a book on prayer called A, a Passion for Prayer. I'd written another one called On, on Praying, but uh, this book, A Passion for Prayer, pulled some things out of me that, uh, um, you know, even I was surprised. <laughs> and so I would, I would say that would be the one. That's actually the one that I would recommend too, Tom. We, we keep copies in the back office. I hand them out. I recommend them. Uh, and I do that because I know you, and I can say to folks, this is not just a book. This is a book by a man who lives what he, what he writes, and that's, that's really important. So thank you for writing that book. Well, thank you, and I fully expect next time I'm there to see them in the front office, not the back office. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can do that for yeah, you. Yeah, Caleb, take, take care of that today, if you would, please. Work on that, Caleb. Uh, we'll, yes. we'll make that happen. Well, Tom, I'm just kidding. You know. <laughs> thank you so much, Tom, for joining us for this podcast, and we look forward to having you next week as well. Thanks, Chuck. Well, it, what a blessing. What a blessing to have the privilege that we didn't have in years gone by, mm. and that is to speak to this audience uh, at their convenience, trusting that the Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts. And listeners, we do want to thank you, too, for listening to this episode of Pastor Matters. We encourage you to join us next week to hear Tom continue to teach us. If you found this conversation helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.